0: Today we will be looking at the sixth church, the church in Philadelphia, in ancient Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. We're going to start reading in Revelation chapter 3, in verse number 7. And if you're ready to dive in, would you say amen today? Revelation chapter 3 verse number 7 the Bible says this and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things saith he that is holy he that is true he that hath the key of David he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth I know thy works behold I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say that they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my god and i will write upon him my new name he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches today for a few minutes i'd like to speak to this subject opportunity knocks everybody turn to your neighbor and say opportunity knocks (laughs) let's have a word of prayer together this morning lord thank you for this day that you've given us god thank you for allowing us to come together and sing songs about your worth and about your majesty and greatness. And Lord, I pray that as we look to this letter, that we would be filled with your spirit. God, I pray that we would lean into these words and how these words apply to our lives today. Lord, I pray that we would not look today simply for information, but that we would allow this information to lead to application, which God, we believe can lead to transformation. God, I pray that we would Have a heart of humility to receive what it is you would have for us today. And I pray that we can better understand uh, how this letter can be applicable to our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said today how many of you have ever been blessed with an amazing opportunity? Anybody like that? An opportunity in life that you just were privileged to be a part of? And uh, several months ago, we were having our beach baptisms uh, at Bolsa Chica State Beach in Huntington. How many of you were there that day when we had beach baptisms? We had, I believe, 20 people uh, get baptized that day, close to uh, 20 people. We had a great time. After the baptisms, we were hungry, and Kate and I and some other people, we went to In-N-Out because we're spiritual, and that's where you go when you're hungry. And so uh, we went to In-N-Out and we were standing in line and Katie nudged me and said, there's Jimmy Darts. And I said, Jimmy, who? <laughs> uh, what, are you, what are you talking about, Jimmy? And she said, there's Jimmy Darts. And I was like, who is Jimmy Darts? And and I learned that uh, Jimmy Darts is an influencer. How many of you uh, know who Jimmy Darts is? He's an influencer on social media. And what he does is is he blesses people that are not very fortunate. Uh, people that are less fortunate, he blesses them. And uh, and so after uh, we uh, met Jimmy Darts, we talked to him for a minute, I followed him on Instagram, and I learned that uh, Jimmy Darts will go and he'll bless people. And And just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jimmy Darts met this boy and his mother and he uh, purchased for them and gave them tickets to the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago in Arizona. Uh, the cheapest or the average ticket price on StubHub was $7,000 for the Super Bowl this year. And so uh, how many of you would say that's a pretty great opportunity? Anybody like that? Like, And how many of you would say I would take that opportunity if I was given that opportunity? In 1985, there was a group of police officers that sent out thousands of free tickets to the Super Bowl to wanted criminals, just so that they could arrest them when they showed up at the game. And uh, they all showed up and they just started arresting people. And they thought that they had this amazing opportunity, but what they got was a dose of reality, right, when they showed up uh, to that game. You know, the reality is for all of us that life is filled with opportunities. But opportunity does not always equal obligation. There are certain opportunities and certain doors in life that Jesus has opened that we should walk through, that we should take advantage of. There are other opportunities in life and other doors that God has shut and we should not walk through them. In fact, uh, one of the worst things that you could do is try to barge through a door that God has kept shut. And so often we are trying to get ahead of God and trying to accomplish our will instead of His will, and we are breaching doors that God has kept shut. Uh, the Bible puts it this way in the book of Psalm, chapter 37, verse 23 the steps, everybody say the steps. steps, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delighteth in His way. And so the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I believe that. But I also believe that the stops, of a good man are ordered by the lord that that sometimes the stops uh, of god are in his divine will that sometimes god will stop us in order to steer us in the right direction and so much of the christian life is waiting for god to open the right door at the right time and when that door is open it's our responsibility to walk through that door now we come to revelation chapter 3 and jesus is riding to the church that had an open door Jesus is writing to the church in the ancient city of Philadelphia, and he talks about the opportunity that is before them, and he wants them to walk through this open door. And what I believe today is that God has given Rock Hill Church an open door of opportunity. And I'm praying today that as we look to this letter, that we will see that opportunity, and we will seize it and walk through the open door. Now, a little bit of context on the ancient city of uh, Philadelphia. It was about 28 miles southeast of the last letter, the last city in Sardis. This was the smallest and youngest of the seven cities. And so this was a small region uh, here in Philadelphia. It was founded uh, by the king of Pergamum, whose name was Attalus II. If you go to modern-day Turkey today, you can see a statue there of King Attalus. He had a nickname, this king that founded uh, Philadelphia. His nickname was Philadelphus, which in the Greek means this, brother loving. And so apparently he had such an affection and love for his brother that that kind of became synonymous for who he was. And so this king, Attalus II, became known as Philadelphus. They eventually named the city after him Philadelphia. And so uh, this city was really prominent and known for two things, for two reasons. Uh, The first was that it had a very strong Greek influence there in Philadelphia. It was known as Little Athens. And uh, people would come and they would have uh, temples and shrines dedicated to the Greek gods and goddesses everywhere uh, here in Philadelphia. Uh, The other thing that's prominent about Philadelphia, as we'll see as we unpack this letter, uh, is that Philadelphia throughout history had been hit with many severe earthquakes. And in history, we know that uh, this city had to be rebuilt time and time again because massive earthquakes would uh, hit this city, and they would have to rebuild this city and build uh, those buildings once again. And so Jesus is writing a letter to the church that was located in this city, of uh, Philadelphia, and today we're going to look to these uh, uh, words in verses number seven through the rest of the chapter, and I love what Jesus writes to this church because he is encouraging them, and uh, in fact, out of all the seven churches, Philadelphia was the most faithful church. Uh, Philadelphia was the church that I believe that Rock Hill should strive to be like, and so Jesus writes this letter to the church of Philadelphia, and he is encouraging them to keep on going. By the way, uh, never underestimate the power of encouragement. A little bit of encouragement can go a long way. Are you with me today? Because the Church of Philadelphia lasted longer than any other of the other seven churches. They continued faithfully preaching the gospel for generation after generation after generation. In fact, over 1,200 years, the Church of Philadelphia remained faithful and strong uh, proclaiming the gospel. And that is what a little bit of encouragement can do. You know, so often we are inclined and we are quick to correct, to condemn, and to criticize. But what would happen if some followers of Jesus said, You know what? I don't want to be marked just by my uh, criticism." and condemnation. I want to be marked by my compassion and encouragement, and I'm going to go out of my way to find someone that I can encourage. The Bible puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Remember the biblical word edification, to build each other up, that we are to use our words as bricks to build people up, not as bullets to bring them down. Use your words to edify that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so Jesus gives this church some encouragement, and that encouragement goes a long way. And so this was the church of the open door. Jesus was encouraging them to walk through that open door. Now, today as we uh, go through these verses together, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give us three ways that we can walk through the open door. Would that be all right with everybody today? Uh, Three ways that we can walk through the open door that God has given us. Number one is this. If we want to walk through the open door and take advantage of the opportunities that God has given us, number one, acknowledge who holds the key. Notice verse number seven. And to the angel, the messenger, the pastor in Philadelphia write, these things saith he, that is, holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. And so just like all the other letters, Jesus begins with a description of himself. Uh, And the reason he does this is because Christianity is not about what you do, it's about who you know. And Jesus wants to make sure that everybody knows exactly who he is. And so he begins with this introduction of himself, and he first talks about his attributes. And he says, uh, This is the person that's writing this letter, the one that is, first of all, holy holy. Now, sometimes in our culture today, even in Christian culture, we can kind of pick certain attributes of God that we want to highlight, uh, and we will kind of overlook other attributes. Uh, for example, uh, we love to talk about the love of God as we should, uh, that the love of God is vast, it's beyond measure, and uh, and uh, the love of God is, is an amazing truth that we can anchor to. But sometimes we will highlight the love of God, but we will fail to highlight the holiness of God. And we have to remember that, yes, God is loving, but yes, God is holy. In fact, uh, the prophet Isaiah said that he is holy, 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 that he is thrice holy. And see, there's one thing that all of us have in common today. Uh, You want to know what our common denominator is this morning, no matter what your education, background, experiences might be. Our common denominator is this we're sinners. All of us uh, are sinners. In fact, we're pretty good at it all on our own. Nobody had to teach us how to sin. We just can do it pretty naturally. All of us have this in common. The Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one, that we all fall short of God's uh, glory, that that we are all sinners. And yet there was one man who lived without sin. There was one man who uh, never one time sinned. His name is Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.22, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Uh, R.C. Sproul, in his book, The Holiness of God, he says this, The clearest sensation that a human being has when he he experiences the holy is an overpowering and overwhelming sense of creatureliness. That is, when we are in the presence of God, we are humbled and become most aware of ourselves as creatures. This is the opposite of Satan's original temptation. You shall be as gods. And so when we are spending time in the presence of God, and when we are reading the word of God, we will be astutely aware of our own sinfulness and our need of the grace of God. And so Jesus writes this letter, and he says, I want you to know that the one who is writing is holy. And then he says, not only is he holy in verse number one, he says, I am also true. He says, I'm true, I'm holy, and I'm true. Uh, Now, the Greek word there for true is alethenos, And and sometimes, uh, you know, we can share a Greek word, and and it can can be confusing, and sometimes I hesitate to even do that. Uh, But uh, this word, I think, is important to to highlight, because the word true here means this. It it means uh, truth that is not fake, He's differentiating, saying this is uh, something that is very real. Jesus is describing himself as holy and as true. Uh, This is genuine. Jesus says, I am the real deal. I am authentic. I am genuine, which is good news today because we live in a world, in a culture where it is very difficult to ascertain often what is true. We live in a world that's filled with uh, deep fakes and artificial intelligence and uh, uh, Photoshop, and we're constantly trying to figure out what is true. And Jesus is writing to the church, and he says, I want you to know uh, that I am holy and that I am true. Can I tell you today that you can trust the name of Jesus, and you can trust him at his word. And today, in a world when we're not sure what to believe, we can believe the word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so Jesus writes, and he says, you need to know who's writing this letter I am holy and I am true and we can trust him but then he moves off of his attributes and then he mentions his authority because in verse number one he says I am holy and true and then he says I hold the key of David I hold the key of David. Now, this was a reference to uh, an Old Testament passage in Isaiah. And he's referencing uh, this passage where King Hezekiah of Judah uh, had a faithful steward. And that faithful steward uh, had a name named Eliakim. And he gave Eliakim the authority, the keys of his house. And he trusted him. And this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 22. This is the context of that passage. Isaiah 22 verse number 22, it says this, and the key of the house of David, again, this is what Jesus is quoting here in Revelation chapter 3. He says, the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open, and so this is the passage that Jesus is quoting. There was an immediate fulfillment of that in Eliakim, the steward, Uh, but there was also an ultimate prophecy concerning Jesus, and that is why he quotes it about himself, saying that I hold the key of David. What did he mean? He meant that he had the authority and the access in God's kingdom that Jesus has all the authority in God's kingdom, that he has all the access in God's kingdom, and he's saying the only way to God's kingdom, the only way to heaven is through me. I hold the keys, is what Jesus is saying. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. And so today, if you are looking for salvation, if you are looking to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to acknowledge who is holding the key. His name is Jesus Christ. He is holy. He is true. And he holds the key of David. And so today we recognize right off the bat in verse number one, who is writing this letter uh, and the authority that he has. We have to acknowledge who is holding the key. Now, this leads us to our second thought today. Number two is this. Not only do we acknowledge who has the key, but number two, we seize the moment. If you want to walk through the open door, you have to seize the moment. Now, we're going to see this in verse number eight. It says this, and I know thy works. (coughs) Behold, I have set before thee an open door. Everybody say, an open door. He says an open door that no man can shut for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name. Now, uh, Jesus says, I've set before you, church, an open door. Uh, many times in scripture, an open door was a reference to an evangelistic opportunity that I've given you an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. In fact, the Bible says this in Colossians chapter four, verse three, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for uh, which I am also in bonds. Uh, Paul was praying for an opportunity to speak of the mystery of Christ, uh, an opportunity of utterance. By the way, I believe this, that if you pray for opportunities to share the gospel, here's what I believe, God will give them to you. If you're praying for an opportunity for God to use you, I believe that he'll give you an opportunity. He will open that door for you. And this is what Paul was praying for, uh, that, that God would open up this door. Now, historically we know that the city of Philadelphia had this mission uh, to spread Greek culture and the Greek language. They, they were spreading that culture in that city. And Jesus was saying, you've been spreading this culture, you know how to spread the culture, the Greek culture, but now I'm going to give you something more important to spread. I'm gonna give you the gospel to spread. And i I'm gonna open up a door of opportunity for you to uh, share the good news of the gospel. I want you to see in verse number eight, there's a word that I think helps us understand this. In verse eight, he says, I know thy works, behold. Everybody with me today? Behold, I have set before you an open door. Behold, the word behold means to look, to see, to observe. It's hard for us to seize the opportunity when we don't see the opportunity. And many times we are not taking advantage of the opportunities that are before us because we don't see them. And often we don't see them because we are unaware of the word of God and what God is trying to do in our lives. There was a story of uh, Charles Spurgeon. He was the, the, known as the Prince of Preachers. He preached in London at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And one day uh, there was a man that came up to Charles Spurgeon and he said, I wanna fulfill the mission that God's given me and I wanna share my faith more. And, and how would you encourage me? And Charles Spurgeon said, well, Uh, what do you do for a living? And he said, I'm an engine driver on a train. And Charles Spurgeon said, is the man that shovels the coal uh, on your train, is he a Christian? And the man said, I don't know. And Charles Spurgeon said, go back and start with him. What was he saying? There are opportunities all around us if we'll see it. Jesus says, behold, I have set before you an open door. And here's what I believe today. This is the heart of this message. This is what I believe today that God has set before Rock Hill Church an open door of opportunity. I believe that there are people in the Inland Empire, that there are people in Rancho Cucamonga, and Upland, and Claremont, and Ontario, and Fontana, and Rialto, and San Bernardino. I believe that there are people that are hungry and searching for truth and searching for hope, and God has set before us as a church an open door of evangelistic opportunity to go out to the highways and compel them to come in. I believe that God has given us an open door just a couple of weeks ago. We had a men's night and at that men's night five people prayed to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Last week we had a funeral and at that funeral one person prayed to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Last week on Sunday morning we had five more people pray to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Yesterday at the prison ministry we had one person pray to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Last Saturday night there was 20 teenagers at the FCA event that bowed their heads and prayed to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. I tell you today that God has given us an open door of opportunity. The only question is will we seize it? Will we walk through it? Will we open our eyes to the fact that there are people all around us that are hurting and in need of the gospel and that it's our opportunity and it's our responsibility to walk through the open door? I believe that Easter weekend is coming up. You know what Easter weekend is coming up? It's an open door. Opportunity is knocking. It's an open door before us. It's an opportunity to share our faith. Uh, In fact, Daniel, jump up here for a second. I want to give you a very deep and profound illustration today. Now, bear with me because it might take us a second to really fully understand this deep and profound illustration. I'm going to give you an illustration of what it looks like to walk through the open door. Everybody with me? Okay. Okay. This is an Easter invite. Ready? (laughs) Passing out an invitation, telling someone else about Jesus. So often there are opportunities all around us, but we don't see it. What would happen if we started praying for opportunities and we came prepared and we took a stack of invites today and we just went out and we just started handing out uh, invitations to everyone around us? That is what it looks like to walk through the open door. Let's give it up for Daniel. Thank you for helping with that illustration, Daniel. The Bible says this in John four thirty-five: Say not ye that there are four months and then come with harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already To harvest. The opportunity is before us Will we walk through the door. Jesus told the church at Philadelphia, there is an opportunity before you. Now, I want to be very transparent about the opportunities that become, that come before us. Would that be okay today? Very transparent because there's gonna be a few things that happen. I would encourage you to write these things down when it comes to the open door. First is this, you will feel overwhelmed. There will be times that you'll feel overwhelmed. If I'm just being honest with you, uh, that's what the scripture teaches, that there will be open doors of opportunity, but at times, you're gonna feel overwhelmed. Notice what it says in verse number eight. He says this, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. From an external perspective, it seemed like this church wasn't strong enough to make a sizable difference. They had just a little bit of strength and the devil wants to jump on your back and say that you are not strong enough, that you are not skilled enough, that you are not talented enough, uh, that, that, that you don't have enough strength to carry out the mission that God has given you. But can I tell you that with God's calling comes God's enabling. And if he has called you to it, he will see you through it. And at the end of the day, it's not about our strength, it is about his strength and we are relying upon him. And there will be times when you feel overwhelmed and I don't know if I can carry it, but I have good news for you today because Jesus can carry it. He says, come to me, all you that are heavy and laden, and I will give you rest. There will be times when we are overwhelmed walking through the open door of opportunity. But it's not about our strength. It's all about his strength. And so uh, you will feel overwhelmed. Here's the second thing. You must choose obedience. When it comes to the open door, there's going to be times you feel overwhelmed. But secondly, you must choose obedience. Notice what the church in Philadelphia did in verse number eight. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. At times they might feel overwhelmed. But then he says this, and has kept my word. They obeyed him at his word. This was the commendable attribute of the faithful church in Philadelphia that they obeyed and submitted to the word of God, that they walked through the open door because they were walking with obedience. Uh, Wherever there is opportunity, there must be obedience. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 10. As we therefore have opportunity, everybody nudge your neighbor and say, we have an opportunity. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. That's a universal command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is anyone and everyone in need. Let us do good unto all men. That's a universal command especially unto them who are of the household of faith. That's a particular command. And so we are to do good to all men, universally, but then we are to do good especially to the household of the faith, the church uh, body, the local church, that's a particular command. The only question is, are we obeying? We've been called to take advantage of the opportunity to seize the moment, but are we following through in obedience or are we letting uh, the, uh, the uncomfortable nature sometimes of following Jesus keep us from walking in obedience? I just want to be comfortable, and I I don't know, uh, this is a little uncertain, I'm a little, I feel unqualified in this, in this, and so sometimes we're not moving forward in the way that God wants us to move forward, and so uh, you will feel overwhelmed. You must choose obedience, and here's the third thing about seizing the moment and walking through the open door. Uh, thirdly, you will experience opposition. You will experience opposition. Now, in verse number nine, it says this. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say that they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee." Now, here he's referencing the same group that he mentioned in Smyrna. He says those that say that they are Jews that are not. They were talking about uh, that they were descendants of Abraham physically, but they were not descendants of Abraham spiritually. They, They did not accept Jesus Christ. They rejected him. And this was a group that was criticizing and were critical of the church in Philadelphia. And so just know that whenever you are serious about walking through the open door of opportunity, maybe you are praying for a neighbor to get saved on Easter weekend. Maybe you are praying for a coworker to get saved. Maybe you are praying for God to intervene in your marriage or for God to intervene in a wayward child. And you are praying for the open door of opportunity. Just know that there will be opposition. There will be those that aren't excited about your fervor for Christ every decision for christ will be disputed for certain just know there will be opposition in fact there's a verse that speaks to this so clearly in first corinthians 16 verse number nine it says this for a great door and effectual is opened unto me i was like man i got this open door and this is honestly as a pastor how i feel about our church that god's opened unto us a door Last year we had five services on Easter weekend. We filled up every single one. This year we're having eight services. And we're praying that God would fill up this room eight different times on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday so that we can sound out the gospel message. I believe that there's an open door before us. because what Paul says, there's an open door, it's effectual, it's open unto me. And then he says this, and there are many adversaries. And every time I read that verse, I always think that Paul's gonna say, but. There's an open door of opportunities, but there are many adversaries. But I just think Paul is saying it with a smile. God's opened up a door, effectual unto me, and there's many adversaries. Like, it's just par for the course. We know that. Uh, anytime we're coming up to a big event at the church, we're always expecting the devil to attack in some way. Uh, whenever we're having a big event, we know that's when the sound system's going to break. That's when someone's going to get upset. Uh, that, that's when uh, there's going to be a flood in the church. We just know something's going to happen because the devil hates what we're doing here. He doesn't want people to respond to the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. He doesn't want marriages to be restored. He doesn't want children in Rock Hill kids to accept Christ. He doesn't want FCA to flourish. He doesn't want these things to happen. So of course, there's gonna be opposition. And we have to recognize today that it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And so even when there is opposition, we know that we can be faithful in the midst of that. And so we must choose obedience. We must recognize that there will be opposition. And so today, very simply, if we're gonna walk through the open door, first of all, we acknowledge who holds the key. Second, we seize the moment. And here's a third truth today. We find stability in his promises. We find stability in his promises. So often as we follow Jesus, we are lacking stability uh, in our lives. And I look around sometimes, I just see many people that are up and down and constantly trying to find some sort of consistency in life. Uh, The other night, our family, we were watching a show called The Floor is Lava. Have you ever seen this show before? How many of you ever played The Floor is Lava, right? You played it. And now they have this show, The Floor is Lava, and you have to like jump around from object to object and everything's really slippery. And, and uh, watching that show, it was humorous because everybody's falling and they're hurting themselves and they're slipping and, and uh, they're, they're you know banging into things. And, and so often, that's what we look like as we navigate through life. We're ready to jump through the open door of opportunity, but then we slip and fall flat on our face. It's just up and down. And I believe that here Jesus closes this letter by giving some promises to the church that are stabilizing promises. These are promises that if we can claim, if we can understand, they will stabilize us as we go through the open door. Are you interested in what those promises are? This is very encouraging. Like I said, Jesus is encouraging this church. He gives two specific promises that I want us to see. The first promise is the promise of protection. I want you to see it in verse number 10 he says this because thou hast kept the word of my patience I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation I love that that play on words there he says if you keep my promises if you've kept my word then I'm gonna keep you from the hour of temptation Uh, those that keep are kept and he says there's gonna be protection uh, from what he says here is the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth." Now, I'm gonna have to teach through this and unpack this for a second, would that be okay? I believe what he's talking about here is what uh, we know as the tribulation period. How many of you have ever heard of the great tribulation in the book of Revelation? And uh, he calls this here the hour of temptation. He's, he's referencing this upcoming, this, this time, this seven year period of, uh, of tribulation in the book of Revelation. But he says, I'm gonna protect you from this. I'm gonna keep you from this. He says, who's it going to be for then? Notice the end of verse number 10. Come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Everybody with me today? So who is this hour of temptation for? Those that dwell upon the earth. The earth dwellers. Can I tell you today, we are not earth dwellers. The Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven. The Bible tells us that we are strangers and pilgrims. This world, this earth is not our home. We're just passing through. We might be here temporarily but our roots our citizenship is somewhere else and so he says these are for the people that have rejected Christ that will go through this terrible uh, time called the tribulation but he's saying to the church I will keep you from that I will protect you from that this is good news that we will be saved from the wrath to come the Bible says in Romans 8 that there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus and so he's talking here about protection he goes on verse number 11 says behold I come quickly How many of you believe today that Jesus is coming again? He says, I come quickly. This was not a a statement of judgment. This was a statement and a promise of deliverance. I come quickly. Hold fast which thou hast. What is he telling this church? He's saying, hey, keep on being faithful don't quit Uh, there will be protection just keep on doing what you're doing keep on walking through the open door Uh, keep on serving keep on showing up keep on trusting keep on believing hold fast to what you have received is what he's telling the church and so he says there will be protection and then I love this secondly he says this there will be purpose notice it in verse number 12 he says him that overcometh will I make a pillar everybody say a pillar a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out." I I love this. He says, I'm going to make you a pillar. Now, we're almost done today, but don't miss this. He says, I'm going to make you a pillar. Remember, what was Philadelphia remembered for historically? The earthquakes. And often there would be a great earthquake that would devastate the city, and uh, it would destroy everything in that city. One author, Alan Johnson, he said this, Often the only parts of a city left standing after a severe earthquake uh, were the huge stone temples, uh, the huge stone temple columns or pillars. And so when everything else was destroyed around them, what was remaining strong? What was still intact? Those pillars. Jesus was saying, I'm going to make you a pillar in my house. A pillar in the temple. A pillar has a powerful purpose to provide security and stability and support. And I I love what he says in verse number 12. He says, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Watch this, verse 12. And he shall go no more out. What does that mean? He shall go no more out. Here's what would happen often there would be an earthquake, and everyone would have to evacuate the city. Everyone would have to leave. They were used to living life on the run. Uh, They they were used to that devastation coming, and all right, we gotta pack up our bags, and we gotta flee for safety. And so Jesus is saying this, I will make you a pillar, and you don't have to live life on the run any longer. And this is great news today if you are a follower of Jesus, because there are many times when there are followers of Jesus that are living life on the run. I don't wanna get hurt again. I don't want them to lie to me again. I don't know if I can trust anyone. I, I don't know if I can serve. I have a lot of things in my past that might keep me from moving forward. And so often we are living life on the run. And Jesus says, I will make you a pillar in my house. There will be stability. There will be support. There will be security. You don't have to run anymore. You are safe and secure in the Father's arms. You are a pillar in God's house. And then he says this in verse 12, it gets even better. You want some more encouragement? He says you're going to be a pillar in God's house. And it gets better. Verse 12. He says this, I will write upon him the name of my God. In the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of the heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. Many historians say that in Philadelphia, upon those pillars in the pagan temples that if you were a mover and shaker if you were someone of influence in Philadelphia that they would inscribe your name on the pillar. It's like a couple of years ago our family was at Disneyland and when you go to Disneyland when you're standing in between California Adventure and Disneyland, they have all the pavers on uh, the floor beneath you and on all those pavers they have all the donors that gave uh, money for Disneyland. how do you know what I'm talking about? like on, on the ground there's all those pavers and we were walking by and my daughter Blakely said, Dad can we get our name on there? And I said, Blakely, I don't even know how I'm gonna pay for that churro you're eating, let alone get our name on the paper at Disneyland. I don't think we're gonna do that. And in Philadelphia, they would have their name inscribed on a pillar. And Jesus says, I want you to know that I'm gonna write on your life a new name because I want everyone to know who you belong to. Several years ago, we got for my son for Christmas a Buzz Lightyear, and he's missing an arm just like the original movie, okay, and uh, this was one of my favorite gifts that I've ever got our children, that I've ever purchased for our children, because we have a video of my son Luke, and he opened it up, and he said, Buzz, Buzz, and he was so excited for this, but you know, a major theme in the movie of Toy Story, how many of you have ever seen Toy Story, you're with me, all right, a major theme in the movie is who the toys belong to, right? And constantly, Woody has to remind Buzz when he's doubting himself, when he's going through insecurity, nobody loves me. He says, look down at your foot and remember who you belong to. Now, in our case, we have Andy and we have Luke written down there. So we have both our bases covered but he wants him to remember who he belongs to. Jesus says, I'm gonna write upon you a new name because I want you to remember who you belong to. Can I tell you today that you do not belong to yourself? You don't belong to the world. Hey, we are sheep of his pasture. We are citizens of God's kingdom. We are pillars in God's house. Don't ever forget who you belong to. He says, I'm gonna write upon you a new name. And these promises, when we remember that God has promised protection, when he's promised purpose, that we are pillars. Remember, uh, the purpose of a pillar is to provide support. I wonder who is it in God's house that you are providing support for? 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about how we are to support the weak, that we're to encourage one another, that we're to challenge one another, and to provoke one another unto love and to good works. We are pillars in God's house. Now, today as we close, I believe that opportunity is knocking for our church and that we have a great open door before us. And I just wanna close with this question. Will we take advantage? Will we walk through the open door? Today, as you leave, we're gonna have stacks of invites. I would encourage you to grab one of these invites and let's recognize the open door that is before us in this season and let's fulfill the calling that God has for us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.